So, Joe, what do you have planned for this week's big intro? I'm sorry, you've you've the bar is where it is now, and I'm afraid there. I've got nothing no planned. I've got talking <laughs> planned. So let's just do that. <laughs> We're talking. That's all you got. No music for no this bombs, week. No for scream. this week, can you just can you do another voice? Come on, <laughs> Joe. Come on. I don't have any voices to do. <laughs> did you actually re-record that at no, all? No, I did not. I was just like, I just, I just have this. I need to get this done. Yeah. I thought about coming in to do it again, but well, Joe's, people Joe's, have enjoyed it, so I Joe's think I made the Joe's littlest little people is my, my children's favorite part of the yeah. Well, that's fine. Why? That's not the coolest part of that trailer. I, yeah. <laughs> Sarah was listening to it at home, and she goes, what is this? Podcast, babe. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you expect? Yeah. That should be that should be our new our new flow our new theme. What's the podcast, babe? <laughs> the cold oatmeal podcast. That's right. Anyway, we are back. This is the cold oatmeal podcast, and today we talk to we do four questions again with Kathy Wilbur, senior vice president of government and external affairs at Michigan State University, and a whole lot of other things. And she is a fascinating person to talk to. Is she the nicest person in Lansing? She's, she's up there. Seems like she's it. really nice. She's up there. Yeah. Anyway, it's the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, babe. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't your microphone break when we were... No, I was an idiot and I think I had something muted and wasn't paying attention. You okay? It's my allergies. Yeah, Literally, I have... <coughs> COVID. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> funny. I don't have COVID. Jimmy got tested to be sure. <laughs> You couldn't have, like, edited that better. (laughs) Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his desk. It's always here. It's always here. And by the way, the the ratio of, like, fruit to disgusting is, like, 1 to 10. It's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, There's like nothing disgusting. One part What's, what, what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it, but it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your... Say that! <laughs> well, welcome back. This is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. This is Matt Resch of Resch Strategies. I'll go around the room here, introduce my colleagues on the pod today. Hi, it's Nikki O'Mara. Nick DeLue is here. Joe Beshi. So we got Nick. I'm here. But we lost Stephanie. Lost Stephanie her? hasn't no, been here. We lost When's the Carly. last time Steph was on a podcast? We lost Carly. I don't know. It's been a while. But anyway, the four of us are here. We made it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a public affairs and a public relations firm headquartered in downtown Lansing, Michigan. And uh, you can find us at reshstrategies.com. All of our ep- episodes are hosted there. Um, we're also on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram, at Rest Strategies. Uh, and our podcast has a little Twitter account, at Cold Oatmeal Pod. Yeah. Um, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it's everywhere. Yeah, I think so. And after last week, after last time, who knows where it is now? I mean, we should have our own IMBD account for this podcast after what the trailer. IMBD? IMDB? <laughs> no, I meant IMBD. What's that stand for? I'm a big deal. <laughs> can, oh, my, that's what it is. my apologies. Can Come listeners on, hear it. my eyes rolling right now? <laughs> we anyway. can probably set that up, though. That's not too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just come up with that in the moment, or were you planning? <laughs> was that your joke the whole time? Do you think I came up with that? In the I moment? could believe. I think <laughs> no, you could. I think I, you could. It was but a total mistake. 
Thanks for <laughs> no. a look behind the curtain. <clears throat> anyway, we are we are back. We did have a great time last time with uh, lobby man Jim Kirsch, um, our good friend Bob Olson, Bob'sVoice.net, who helped us out with that. Huge clicks, lots of clicks on that one, mainly because I just begged people to listen to the first three minutes. So I'm not sure if they listened <laughs> to anything else, but I think the trailer. I think that worked because I had a number of people who I don't think a regular listener to see it, and then they're like, oh, I got three minutes. So they listen <laughs> yeah. to the first three minutes at least. We should just say that all of our episodes yeah. are three minutes. <laughs> or, or we could begin a cold oatmeal digest. Three minutes, everything you need from the episode. No, it's probably a bad idea. No. That's, <laughs> especially, when you need, especially when you need all 43 minutes. Right. <laughs> Joe just needs to em- just needs to edit it all down to the 30, 30, uh, three minute segments. So anyway, well, we're not going to, we won't experiment with that today. Because we actually have a really serious, important guest yes. with mm-hmm. us today. So I'm not sure we've had a more accomplished guest on this podcast before, which is saying something because <laughs> we've had some, we've had some accomplished people. We had a lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. although he wasn't. Was he still lieutenant governor? When we did it. He was technically still. Brian was still lieutenant governor when he came on. Yeah, he was on his way out. He was on his way out, yeah. but still lieutenant governor. We had a Pulitzer Prize winner on here. Um, we've had a wrestling champion mm-hmm. tv star yeah. wrestling tv star we had a hypnotist and a game show host but we have not had peter riddell peter <laughs> riddell will not will not be on um but today kathy wilbur is our guest kathy is the senior vice president for government relations at michigan state university go green go Good hoosiers job, go away go there <laughs> I, I root for them I went there I That's all that. I need Do you really want to bring this up three days before they play the hoosiers yeah i feel good okay whatever um, but that was just the latest stop on Kathy's uh, amazing career. She is the only woman in Michigan. You can correct any of this if I get any of this wrong, or you don't you need to correct it any of it all. The only woman in Michigan to direct three state departments. Uh, she was elected to the MSU Board of Trustees at one time. Um, Vice President of Government and External Affairs at Central Michigan University and was then uh, later interim president at CMU. And inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in 2007. Is this our first Hall of Famer? I think so. Oh, In thank you. You can add me then to that cool list of accomplished. Right. Only Absolutely. Po- po- cold oatmeal podcast, only Hall of Famer. That right. list? I like it. Okay. I do like that because, you know, I don't have any experience with wrestling and, you know, I'm not a Pulitzer Prize winner, so I'm not too sure why I'm here, but okay. You know, well, I guess I was, it's that. I was going to make a joke about how you are actually, you're taller than when the, the lieutenant governor when he was here. <laughs> So that's that's something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he made a short joke, so I feel like uh, I can tease him about uh, that okay. too. I'm sure he's not listening. Uh, but Kathy Wilbur, <laughs> thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. This will be fun. It will. So we're going to do, uh, as, as faithful listeners of the podcast know, that this is the fourth season of Cold Oatmeal. And one little feature we're going to be doing throughout the season is a thing we call Four Questions for Season 4. We did this with... Steve Young, uh, retired lobbyist at um, GCSI, uh, on the first season, the first episode of the season. So we're going to do the four questions with you. But we got some other questions too. So I guess I'm going to I'm going to start. We for listeners, we're I don't know what day, I don't know what day it is. It's it better be Thursday. It's Thursday the twelfth. Okay. Thursday the twelfth. So we are we are COVID crazy once again. Um, waking up to news and scary headlines and and whatnot, and you are. In the middle of the Michigan State campus and all that that has been, um, what's what's first of all, how's it going, and what's that been like? 
And of course, I'm not on campus, which you maybe kind of knew. Uh, We have been home since March, most of us, a very, very large percentage of us. And of course, I've had to make all the adjustments that everybody else has. You know, Zoom, uh, what do you wear? How do you look? Um, should I get my haircut? Yes, I should. A lot of people are going to see me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, these are the important, you know, rather superficial things that I do think about. It, it has obviously been a challenge, uh, but I think everybody at MSU has really taken to it very well. Uh, I think um, the president would agree. We have talked about that, really, how well uh, people have acclimated to the change and still are pumping it out. Uh, there is a ton to do probably more than ever. A lot of response to COVID, a lot of response to the pandemic, whether it's with students, faculty. Of course, I deal a lot with external constituencies, making sure that we are visible and well-known and recognized, and and it's in a very different way. Um, you know, I'm talking to a lot of people on the phone and setting up all those kinds of Zoom calls that everybody else is, uh, noticing that people have really drifted towards Zoom, away from Teams. I don't know what that's all about um, because I'm not a technical and person. And just away from regular phone call. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. Like that's not even a thing anymore. Yeah. Though it it's always been my, I got to say, it's always been my go-to and it's pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Also, when you are at a public university, you live with FOIA requests. So you email and you text less than a lot of mm-hmm. other people. That makes sense. Thank goodness for the telephone. Yeah. So, so is it has it been reassuring or terrifying to have your president of the university be an epidemiologist? Oh, absolutely reassuring and useful. <laughs> uh, though, though, and he, if he was here, he would say this too. He sometimes gets so into the weeds uh, that we all are kind of looking at each other or texting on the side going, really? (laughs) Do we need to have this level of detail? Um, But no, I mean, obviously, I think we've all kind of glommed on to the additional information that he has. Uh, He would be also the first to admit that he is learning along with the rest of us. We're not sure we really believe that, but I think he says it so that we feel like we're on more of a level playing field. Um, But he has uh, some understandings, as does our university physician, that none of us come to the table with. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a a positivity rate. I mean, I had to have that explained to me the first time we were talking about that and other issues as well. But, oh, no, I mean, it's it's much more reassuring and and I think useful. Um, Though I would also say that this is an individual who has been extremely careful and has barely left Cole's house. Uh, He did move in just pre-pandemic and all the work at the house had not been completed yet, but uh, he was there and has been extremely disciplined about where he should be and with who and how, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, and in the couple of times I've seen him speak at, on things through the Lansing ch- Chamber and other places, he, he's mm-hmm. definitely walking the walk of what the advice Absolutely. he's giving. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no one could could judge that he was saying one thing and doing something very differently himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How have, how has the uh, you probably haven't had much interaction with students cuz they're mostly online, but there's there's some in in town. Mm-hmm. Have you how have you seen cuz there there is some crit- criticism early on of parties and and whatnot and and even mm-hmm. when they beat Michigan mm-hmm. um some things. How is how have the student body 
changed or have you, how's that been? Uh, very, that is very challenging. Uh, that, uh, because for the most part it is students off campus. I mean, right now on campus we have 2,500 people, uh, who are living within apartments or residence hall. That's Typically, we would have 15,000, so a very small number. People are living in singles. We have had very, very few cases of COVID as a result of that. Off campus, different story. Uh, typically, those are older students, so already they feel a little bit more freedom, autonomy, et cetera. Uh, you know, as a result of some of those issues that were flaring up, we established, um, you know, I asked the president, I said, look, we, we've just, we meet with East Lansing, but we do it quarterly, you know, throughout the year. We're doing it weekly now, um, where we sit mm -hmm. down with the mayor, uh, the city manager, uh, folks from the police department, fire department, uh, their housing person, et cetera, to try to figure out how to address, you know, some of the off-campus behavior that we've seen. Um, I think most people just find it an absolute head-scratcher when the information is so clear as to what can result, you know, the kinds of negative results you can have. And yet people, but again, we are not crazy. We recognize we have 19 and 20 year olds who are 19 and 20 year olds. And we all were once too, right. um, maybe a while back, but we all were. So we get it. Um, so it's it's a pretty interesting balance uh, that you have to try to, to strike. Um, we also work, we have a weekly meeting with the Ingham County Health Director, um, you know, who has been especially concerned about what she has seen, uh, where the numbers were coming from initially, which was East Lansing, uh, and then how those translate and trickle down throughout a community. You know, you may have it in East Lansing and think, oh, I don't have many symptoms, if any, I'm good, and they're going to Meyer and they're going to other places. Well, guess what? You know, the spread is the spread. So it has been a very, very challenging set of issues. I'd say, too, I mean, I can be a Pollyanna. There is opportunity in that. You know, it's also provided us an opportunity on campus to rethink our off-campus policies with students. And uh, we, we formed a group uh, that's begun work on, on what we need to do in that space. You know, do we need to handle discipline, student disciplinary cases differently? And so we've just really kind of launched that. But the expectation and the hope is that we'll have different policies for fall of 21. When I would expect, as I sit here today, that we would have more, even more students back in East Lansing. Mm -hmm. I could be proven quite wrong. But, you know, right now I would say that's our expectation, our plan. Okay. So shifting gears a bit, I think we met, I think, back in the Angler, tail end of the Angler administration, mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. You are a, a cabinet secretary, director of, of three departments, I think, all, all during the Angler administration. Yes, Is that right? absolutely. Um, so we're going to kick off here the first the first of the four questions. Um, you worked in the, the legislature before that as a, as a Senate Worked in the staff. state Senate. Mm -hmm. um, so how did it start? How did your career in politics, what you're doing now, how did it, what was, how did it all start? Well, probably my dad. Uh, my dad was a person who, when we did sit down at dinner together, we talked about local politics and, and, uh, you know, he had his own interesting race. I still can't believe this happened for a precinct delegate that ended in a tie and they flipped a coin. So, you know, I, <laughs> oh, wow. I guess that's the kind of a thing you don't forget, right? Um, he didn't forget it either, which then many lost. Um, so, uh, you know, it's certainly, um, uh, spiked an interest in me. Uh, as a very young person, uh, I began to do some volunteer work for 
my congresswoman, who was Martha Griffiths. Now, Martha Griffiths was a Democrat on the northwest side of Detroit, uh, but my parents, who were Republicans, always voted for Martha Griffiths. She was viewed as a fiscal conservative, a social liberal, um, maybe social moderate at that time, um, and they really respected her work. And uh, I began to volunteer from, for her, and then, you know, things took their courses, you know, and I went to Michigan State and then met other people and became engaged after that. Um, you know, I really uh, kind of got to know who ultimately hired me in state government, John Angler, very tangentially. Uh, I worked in the state Senate for probably what was viewed as the absolute most liberal member of the Republican caucus, uh, probably would have been viewed liberal within the Democratic caucus at that time, uh, Bill Cedarberg, who represented MSU and East Lansing and Lansing. So very reflective of his district, uh, as you're supposed to be in a representative government. And, it's interesting uh, that East Lansing had a Republican in the states. It is indeed. <laughs> that, is. That, was a, that was a long he time ago. He barely won, but mm -hmm. won indeed. Uh, he beat a gentleman who you've heard of, Larry Owen. And, huh. uh, and he barely, barely won, but he did. Bill had been a faculty member at Michigan State, so he really kind of fit the profile, if you want to say it that way, and served for, you know, a number of years. But it was really through that experience that, um, you know, I then got to know John Engler, who was also a member and then became Senate Majority Leader um, and then, of course, governor. So it really, that was kind of the pathway. So what was your first paying job? In politics, mm -hmm. in government, uh, actually the Bob Griffin for U.S. Senate Re-Election Committee. And we were based in the city of Detroit. Uh, he was running against someone you've all heard of, Carl Levin, <laughs> who was a city council member in Detroit. Many would not have predicted his victory. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, your view of the world, Senator Griffin had announced six months, eight months prior to the election, maybe 10, I'm retiring, I won't seek another term. And then found a golf course and golfed a lot <laughs> and was pretty absent from Senate action. And the campaign manager for Carl Levin was another name you maybe have heard of, Rick Wiener. And Rick Wiener wrote ads for radio and TV that were all about an attendance record for the past eight months and it sunk him. So fascinating experience. Actually, that's where I met Spencer Abraham, who had taken a leave from Harvard Law and came back to be the, you know, kind of field director for Senator Griffin. And, um, and through Spencer, I met John Engler. I mean, it, but that was my first true paying job within. And then came to Lansing and uh, made other connections and, and uh Started my career in the state senate. After that, did you ever work for Engler when he was majority leader? Or no, no. So the first I only was... worked for Bill Cedarberg. Initially, I worked for what's called the Senate Central Staff, and then I went to work for Bill Cedarberg. Okay, and then the first your first cabinet appointment then was that what what department was that? Well, a department that no longer exists, um, and of course, you'll appreciate this as as well. The how many? Millions that are listening, I think, to many, cold many, oatmeal. Many, yeah. many. Um, well, we can hope, right? We, we had we, we boosted our listenership, I think, substantially with our last episode and the movie trailer that we did. So this is this is could be millions. <laughs> Let's hope so, because this, all this is so fascinating, right? Uh, when um, 
I forgot where I was going with this, of course. Uh, uh, the first department. Yes, first department. So during the course of the campaign uh, for governor, John Engler had said, we really need to get rid of the Department of Licensing and Regulation. And then he got elected, and then I got a phone call that said, I'd like to talk to you about serving in the cabinet. Uh, we had a four-year-old at home, and we had just had twins. And I really was planning to kind of be at home for a year or two, something like that. Uh, it was really my husband who said, you're crazy. you got to talk to this guy. And uh, so went in. I uh, had a great conversation with his transition team and him. And, and, and at the very end, they're going, well, we'd like you to have licensing and regulation. I have a pretty good memory. And I thought, I think that's the department he wants to close. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know if I should be flattered or embarrassed or you are really getting your chops in here. And he goes, eh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So conversation <laughs> at home of, I've been asked to do this, but I know what the job is. And uh, you should do it. Great opportunity. And went in and, and did it. And, uh, you know, went, walked into a department that, A, you know, people who have typically state civil servants serve for a very long time, often in the same department, and uh, never believed uh, that we would do it. A department that is very statutorily uh, dictated. Uh, you know, you file the public health code here. You file the occupational code here. Uh, you know, where there are other places in state government, you know, to have some of those entities reside. Um, and we set about breaking apart the department and uh, sending some of those pieces into other departments, which uh, probably the vast majority went into what was then called, again, another department name we no longer have, the Department of Commerce. And then I went into uh, Department of Commerce as a deputy director, uh, took some of those responsibilities with me, but others had been eliminated. Uh, others had been carried over into other departments. So when you look back at all the different jobs, even the one you currently still have, mm -hmm. is there? A, could you decide what is, what's the best thing? What was the best part of it and the best thing? Well, it, it was great serving uh, as a member of a gubernatorial cabinet. There's, there's no question. Um, I remember talking to people. I, I served, co-served with people like Mark Murray. And, you know, at some point, you know, you're all going to leave. You're, you serve at will. Uh, you're going to move on. You know, what do you do? I don't know. It's been a great job. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it was also a great job because of who we served with. Uh, the governor was very much, um, you run your own shop, I'm not running it. Uh, if there's going to be a disaster, if something's going to blow up, we need to know about it. Otherwise, you do your thing. I trust you. That's why you're there. Uh, so you had a great deal of autonomy. Um, I considered myself extremely fortunate to have had legislative experience as a backdrop because we, we interacted with the legislature a great deal in our particular department. Uh, some do more than others. And uh, I, I have a great respect for the legislature, and I treated everybody the same, or like to think I did. And, um, and I was very, I had a great, great benefit of having that experience walking into a state department. In fact, I often tried to hire people from the legislature to come into state government. And unfortunately, there was such a black mark about state government uh, that many people would not leave the legislature, even though it was 
certainly a position that would probably have more longevity, um, security, et cetera, than serving in a legislative body. Um, but they didn't care. They, they weren't willing to take that chance. I was very pleased that I had, A, the opportunity to make that transition. I, I worked with some of the smartest people I've ever worked with uh, in state government and, uh, and found that very, very reassuring. So serving as a state department director is quite an opportunity. Um, and, I, and I would. I would give the governor credit uh, for putting together a team that, A, could work together, but, B, uh, he knew could, could run that ship. Um, but I would also say some of the positions I had at Central Michigan were, were just as fabulous. So I, I've been pretty fortunate. What would you change if you think back to either the, the system you were in, a job you had, or I don't know. I, I don't want to answer the question for you, but if there's. But, but go ahead, Mac. <laughs> Give it a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> Doing a decent job. <laughs> Sounds like you have thoughts. So, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, I got thoughts. I got thoughts. <laughs> oh, gosh. What would I change? Uh, I, I guess I'm not a person that, that thinks about things in that way so much or, you know, do you have regrets or whatever? I don't know. Um, I, okay. Here's one I would change. Uh, when I was at Central Michigan University, which, which of course, I said, I've said already, you know, you serve at will for a governor. You know your position is going to end. Um, and so you really do. I, I fortunately had a couple people who said, we need to go to lunch. Great, let's have lunch. I thought it was lunch. And it was, you need to think about your next step. Oh, I do. I mean, I, I you know, you kind of forget. You're, you're, these are very demanding jobs. You're very busy. Um, and, and you really aren't thinking. I mean, they were right to call me out on it and say, you know, look, you've got eight months, six months, whatever it is. You've really got to focus on. Frankly, I think it was before the last year started. And uh, so that got me thinking. And um, here was a position. I had done a tremendous amount of work in higher education before, having worked for Bill Cedarberg, who was the chair of the Higher Ed Budget Committee. I served on the MSU board um, when I worked with Bill. And so I had a, a lot of higher ed experience and, and had always been drawn to it. Didn't necessarily know that I would go back to it, but there was an opportunity at Central Michigan University to be the vice president for government relations. So interviewed, got the position. Uh, president Rao was there at the time. We hit it off. Um, I think just like in a cabinet, you, you are a cabinet at a university. Pretty important that you have a good relationship with the, the top leader. And we did. We just kind of hit it off um, during the during the interview process. Big search committee. You know, you go through the whole the whole gambit. But um, uh, Central, which was an institution, truly, I knew nothing about. I had attended Michigan State University. I didn't have friends who had gone to Central. I had never been on the campus. Um, really, didn't know anything about it and grew to know it and to love it. Our oldest son, Tom, attended Central Michigan, and it truly was the right place for him and the right education for him, as it was for so many. You know, 99% of those students are Michigan residents who then stay in Michigan when they graduate, and I was very proud to be able to advocate for that. So time marches on. Uh, President Rao has an opportunity uh, to go to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. He chose to do that. I was very fortunate. The board um, came to me, asked me to serve as interim, uh, which was a terrific opportunity, which I loved. And um, But then when it came time looking for a permanent uh, president, 
I was told that I, I could not be a candidate because I had a bachelor's degree and I had no more. Now I had headed three state departments <laughs> who had more employees and constituencies than Central Michigan could ever hope to have. I had dealt with union negotiations. I had de so I felt my experience was valid and appropriate and, mm -hmm. and useful. And yet because of the lack of those credentials, um, I wasn't able to be a candidate. And uh, I would change that. Um, I don't know if higher ed will ever get there completely. It has, we have all seen some hires that have been made uh, in presidential ranks that have people without, uh, you know, terminal degrees, as they're called, which we should really discuss at some point. It <laughs> seems yeah. like such There's a very odd term to me. Negative messaging there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, some of those have worked and some of those haven't. And, you know, that's, I would argue that's probably as much because of the personality as it is because of their background or their policy. So would I change something? Yeah, I would change that. What have you seen change the most in Lansing over the, your time? Oh, probably the impact of term limits yeah. uh, on the legislature. Um, you know, I really will have to go back and hear your interview with Steve Young because I, I one wonders if, if you pose that question, uh, if he would say the same. Uh, Steve and I started at about the same time uh, in the state Senate, and uh, it, it just couldn't be more dramatically different uh, with people who are, you know, in some cases serving for decades uh, versus people who are here for maybe six years, maybe eight, at a maximum 14 uh, it has changed uh, a tremendous amount. I, I think it has certainly added to the um, partisanship uh, that you see in the legislature as well. But, but frankly, I mean, in the role that I am in now, the role that I had at Central at some times, you spend a tremendous amount of time. Not that that's a bad thing, but it is harder to move any balls down down the field when you are educating and re-educating people about your entities, your issues, without even being able to express, and this is what we should look at in the future. So who will, who will you remember most? Oh, most. Well, you know, I, I I, there's no question that Bill Cedarberg and John Engler had huge uh, impacts on my career, my career choices. Um, Honestly, uh, I think very t great benefit to me uh, also from a personal level. When I worked for Bill Cedarberg when he was state senator, um, you know, in effect, I was the, the chief of staff. Uh, you know, Bill lived here locally. He, re as I mentioned, he represented the local area. And his rules were, you can schedule me up four days of the week into the evening. I don't care if I get home at t three, three nights. I'm with my family. And don't try to change it. Don't try to alter it. Fair enough. That made a lot of sense to me. Um, you didn't see every member do that by any means. He, he knew he was lucky and that he did not have a commute to add to his daily life. Uh, many members at that time were driving back and forth. Um, some were staying over. Uh, but uh, that was, you know, very, very important lesson uh, for me to see as a young person uh, who had just gotten married, didn't have any children at that point. Um, and and I, I think the way that Bill treated people, uh, you know, everybody is treated the same. Uh, everybody has something to contribute of value. We may not agree with it, but 
you know. Uh, you answered every contact that came into the office. We prayed for those that wanted to be anonymous because there was nothing to respond to. <laughs> so, you know, we'd say, oh, there's no address. Oh, that's really too bad. <laughs> because at that point, you still got letters in your office, you know. And and Bill also, while I am not a digital native, um, I'm saying that really for Emily's benefit uh, <laughs> because she knows so very well the questions that I have to pose to her. Bill was a digital native at a time when... That was absolutely unheard of. He started the first legislative blackboard and and had hit constituents, of course, at MSU who were very into technology. And, and there was no one in the office capable of dealing with this. Bill went home every night, got on that, and answered all those questions, all those, oh. have at it, buddy. You know, again, I should have learned more, but I didn't. And certainly, you know, Governor Engler, you know, how, how government was managed at that point, how he did govern, and and I he did, um, and and you know certainly many many legislators that I have had the opportunity to interact with as well. Didn't Cedarberg go on to be president? At, was it Ferris? He did uh, for nine years. Um, Bill had a short stop at public sector consultants, um, and then went to Ferris. In fact, while Bill was a state senator, uh, he was offered a job at Ferris as president, and uh, because of the Constitution, the way it's written, he could not go from one position viewed as a state entity position to what is another entity position, a state university. Um, and by the time he left the legislature, they had a new president, all was good, uh, but then when that president left, they, they reapproached him, and he served there for nine years. Well, I appreciate you coming by during these busy days, <laughs> these busy COVID days. Anything to get out of my dining room, I'll tell you. <laughs> Don't be shy about asking. Uh, <laughs> and my husband's like, oh, you're leaving the house? Yes, indeed I am. That's yeah. how I felt today, too, whenever we come in and do the podcast. It's like, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I have to put on jeans or regular pants, and that's rough for me because I'm <laughs> very used to wearing sweatpants at this point. But um, it is nice to get out and see everybody. And yes. I had to come in the other day for a meeting across the hall, and I had to put on a dress shirt. And I, I said, this is, I think, the first time I've tucked in a shirt since Easter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and does it still work? Let me be like honest a, here. This really isn't very comfortable. Yeah, no. those potato chips at this home does, really are wonderful. Good. I am surprised, even with the Senate being in today, how quiet downtown is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a little... Freaky. It's, it's a ghost town. It's yeah, ghost it town. really is. Um, and the other few times that I've been down, um, I, I suspect that those two weeks in December will be uh, pretty crazy uh, in lame duck. Maybe three. I mean, they're certainly talking about two. But um, but I really do wonder. Um, you know, again, as I mentioned before, we, we had a very, uh, we consider a very big issue that was to come up in front of the Senate today. And we kind of did, you know, a whip meeting yesterday, and it was, well, who will be there in person? And there were maybe two, three people out of a pretty significant group. I'll make calls, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. text, I'll email, but people were very uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, you have to respect that. For sure. Coaches are going to be okay? G is his physician. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Re- reassure us. <laughs> <laughs> does when, when when Coach Izzo gets does he like go to Doctor Stanley personally for like the checkups? Like this is 
high profile. VIP. Don't, don't you have daily business. briefings on this? Yeah, on, yeah, on right. Coaches as health. Yeah, you'd be surprised what are in the daily briefings. <laughs> but we're not going there. Uh, I think it's fair to say that President Dr. Stanley would say, "I'm not your doc. I, I haven't taken care of patients in a long time." So I'm sure he has a very capable. Uh, what I want to know is, can this physician really keep this guy in quarantine? I mean, that's, you know, sure, he can do what everybody else does, right? Zoom, phone calls, screaming over a computer screen, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I would uh, imagine that Tom Izzo was a very bad patient. I, I guess I could uh, probably He would not want to just yeah. hang out. I get that sense. Yeah, yeah. And yet, you know, you are reminded over and over again that that's a pretty key part of it. Um, I had a friend last week who did her civic duty. She had volunteered. She counted absentee ballots. And sure enough, was in the room and somebody else contracted it. So, again, no symptoms for her, but she had to quarantine for 10 days, 14 days. So um, I, I think Izzo in the end will be fine. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers are crossed. Yes. You don't seem to be asking about the football coach. Have you kind of given up already? No, or? they're doing okay. Is there a football coach? Yeah. <laughs> do they have a coach? They won the only game that mattered. That is true. We'll we'll see how Indiana goes, I guess. That's true. When will this air? This is going to air post-Indiana. This will come out after the Indiana. So, hey, they beat Indiana. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> All right. Number 10. I'm just Indiana. waiting. I mean, I'm, I'm, as a Hoosier fan, this is the first time in, well, I, 1987 was the last time they, I think, were decent enough to be. They've it has never been, been a long. They've never, I don't know when the last time they were ever in the top 10, but this is. It's been a it, long road. It took a global pandemic to it make did. Indiana relevant. <laughs> Oh. Well, well then, silver we'll lining to the we, pandemic we'll for Hoosiers. And, you know, currently the vice president's a Hoosier, so you know, they've That's had right. some they've yeah. had some wins. It's a streak um, for the Hoosiers. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure what kind of streak that that is exactly. Another but. show might be to find out why Matt Rush is an Indiana fan, but um I'm from Indiana. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poor excuse. Yeah. That's that's enough. Okay. No, see, I get to my my Sports viewing habits. I like. I watched the Michigan State Michigan game in very much the same way I watch. Just watched the presidential election. <laughs> I stopped caring about who was going to win. I don't like any of the people involved. I just enjoy watching whoever loses suffer, <laughs> and 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 mocking the people who gloat because they think they accomplish something. Uh-huh. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well said, Joe. You're Joe's here. here. Hey, Joe. Joe's Joe can here. contribute. Now you got to let him do that. I've yeah. been muted. Yeah. <laughs> No fun. Masking your your, uh, your COVID cough, your run from the garage. So anyway, it'd be horrible if we brought Kathy in here and then you co- coughed on her. But but thank you for coming in. Ah, I'm happy to do it. This, this is been, Emily's counsel to me was have fun with it. And I was like, oh, okay, Emily. <laughs> yeah. Well, I asked. I, I texted Emily. I said, would it be okay if I asked Kathy to be on the podcast? Mm-hmm. And she goes. What kind of power do you think I have? I'm, I'm like, well, the first thing, and then you write back, what does Emily said? Well, she said you have the power. So there you go. And Emily. Emily's just a good friend. So She's... I would check anyway and say, you know, are these like the gotcha podcasts or is this just, you know? We're so. going to play all this backwards and it's going to it's going to Oh, it have a whole do. different meaning. Yeah, that's what we do. You and the Beatles and Abbey mm-hmm. Road and oh, my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I didn't give you that kind of credit, well, Mr. Rush. I we'll either do that or we'll work you into the Lobby Man movie trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. So. Lobby person, there I think go. is That's what you're right. struggling to mm-hmm. say. The there. Lobby Woman Hall of Fame. Uh, there, you go. there you go. Yeah. Kathy mm-hmm. Wilbur. It's yeah. been great talking to you. It's been great to be here. Thank you. We'll be right back.
Okay, we are back. Thank you, Kathy Wilbur, for being our yeah. being our guest today. That was fun. Kathy's Kathy is so interesting. It's it very nice to meet her. Yeah, I mean, she's just done to- so much stuff. It's just great to hear her talk. And I think, as we were talking, there's probably no better way to kind of wrap up a conversation with someone so accomplished mm-hmm. and with such a career who's done so much and is really so kind of smart and on top of her game than to talk to Nikki's husband, Robert, about cleaning the house. I would agree. It's a great segue. So um, we've we've dialed up the world of technology, and we have Robert, Robert O'Meara. Are you on the line, Robert? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. We can't hear you Thanks over the vacuum. Can you turn the vacuum <laughs> off, please? You know, the, the mighty Dyson, she, she purrs like a kitten these days. Both of them. So we, st- we, yeah. we start with this question, and I will ask it. Maybe she's asked you this question before, but Nikki posed this question that we will start with for you. <laughs> the question is, why are you the way you are? Why are you like this was the question. And let's, for, the, for the listeners who don't know and haven't been to lunch with us, Robert is obsessed with cleaning the house, Yes, correct? And you left the house today, <laughs> Nikki, and said, I'm so glad we're doing this on Thursday because Robert's cleaning the house and I had to get out. Yeah, well, I don't want to be in his way, really. I really appreciate that he enjoys cleaning because I hate it, but it's nice not to be there while you're doing it, Robert. Can we start with a more specific question that is like probably going to help answer why Robert is the way he is? Robert, when this all came up, we heard that you, uh, we all know that you, like, you're the cleaner and you are amazing at it but there's this <laughs> once a week dishwasher rule yeah yeah oh. what is the what is the deal just explain it and tell me tell me why that's the way your brain operates that's a great question joe um really the dishwasher let me let me go back five sure. and a half years ago to when nikki and i started living together God. um <laughs> i had never seen a human being go through dishware like my lovely wife um, and probably glasses. by the end of this, I'm going to need a really good divorce attorney. <laughs> but, um, and so she would just run the dishwasher really kind of willy nilly. If there was one thing, if there were a hundred things, um, as most so, people do, let me, easy, my but, love. Um, <laughs> is it okay? So is it, is it a, is it a cost it's, issue? Is it a, you're worried about overusing the dishwasher and needing to replace I, I, it too soon? I think soon? it's like, more of the overuse. And then it's also a, okay, if she just overfills it with Tupperware items and we're running it and there's nothing else in there, that's just stupid. Yeah, some things um, need to be hand-washed, I've learned. So I think it's, why don't we just load this sucker to the brim and then run it instead of just run it if there are four or five things. So I think it's more of a an efficiency of the appliance. Let's, so I guess- let's run it at its- at, at, at its kind of efficiency use right there. I, I think the natural next question would be, what happens if it is full and ready to go on a Tuesday? Does it not happen? Oh, then it runs. Nah, Then you start hand-washing stuff. Um, I think there's, you know what, I think there's some truth to that, Nikki. Because uh, <laughs> we can't run the dishwasher yet because it's not cleaning day. Although I did, I did run it this morning. But uh, but it's here nor there. Is there a set day that the dishwasher runs? Not. I, I think Nikki's kind of beaten me down to be a little bit more flexible on that. Um, but I do like to kind of keep to a once a week. Okay, can I? I got to share a story with you, Robert, that you'll probably appreciate. So the day, the day that we went to lunch, and we spent way too much time talking about you and your dishwasher, we came back to the office and. As the folks here will know that on Friday, I always say, is everything in the dishwasher? Because mm-hmm. I run it before I leave for the weekend. And so I was ready to go, and I put everything in the dishwasher, and I ran it. 
And as I was sitting there in my office wrapping some things up, Nikki walked into the kitchen with a glass and said, oh, the dishwasher's already running. I guess I'll, <laughs> I guess I'll have to leave this glass in the sink. <laughs> Bye, everyone. And then walked out, and as the door shut, I said, or you could wash it. <laughs> But no, she's yeah. like, the dishwasher was running. Did not cross my mind at all. So it just it you sat know, there. Man, there was, when Nikki and I first moved in with each other before we got married, um, a lobbyist who I will not name gave me really good life advice. And he said, Bobby, certain people refill the teepee, certain people don't. And you just have to learn to live with it. Um, and so What's I. What's this have to do with dishes? It, it, it applies across the board, my love. Um, so I've just learned to accept Nikki's, um, let's say, less strengths of dishwashing. Is she a I slob? Just, I'll leave it there. No, she's not a slob. Okay. Um, yeah, no. I'm well, not. he might be. I don't know. I'm asking. No, no she's he's not, just certainly not a slob. I think clean. she's not um, as conscious of. She's much more comfortable living with things out of order. Yeah. And that, that goes just to my personality of not. So have you always so, been a clean, neat freak, or is this something you've grown into? Um, I think I've perfected it over the years. <laughs> um, but I've, uh, so I, I, am a, I, am, I have a twin brother, um, and so it's always been kind of a thing. He would always be the less clean of the two, and when we shared a room, he would always come back, and I would always – either rearrange the room or keep the room clean, um, which I'm sure gave him fits. Um, so I think it's always been there, but I certainly have perfected it over the last five and a half years living with Nikki. So you wake up on Thursday, it's cleaning day. Do you have a game plan in mind? Do you, what, yeah, get what, Nikki out of the house. <laughs> what, what room do you start with? And do you always clean the rooms in the same order? Great question. Um, I always... That's a, yes. I always start with Nikki's office um, she because lets you that's clean usually I don't clean my office. <laughs> usually the most clutter. Um, but I always I always work top down. So her office, the upstairs bathroom, the upstairs guest bedrooms, our bedroom, our bathroom, the hallway, then the stairs, and then the front hallway, and then kind of just tackle the second or the first floor. How much, to, how much time but is it's going always to this? top down? How much time does it take? I'm sorry, Joe. How much time goes into this on an, on an average Thursday? On an average Thursday, maybe an hour and a half to two hours. So are you picking up stuff like throughout the week? Is there other like small cleaning happening and then Thursday's the big day? Or are you just not doing any of it until Thursday? Uh, no, Sunday night will be just a kind of a quick run through with the vacuum, you know, end the week clean, start the week clean. Robert, you vacuum um, every single night. <laughs> You vacuum every night. I'm sorry, Nikki. You vacuum every well, was, single was, night. You know, I was getting there. Okay. Um, and so since we have one of the most sheddiest dogs in America, yeah, we do. Um, I, I, I do vacuum our staircase and kind of, we have hardwood floors, so hair just accumulates. So I, I, I do I tend that. to I vacuum probably more than I should. Also, I don't want people thinking that I don't do stuff because I do put dishes away and I do the laundry, you and do. I cook, and... I don't think I've ever alluded to, you don't do anything, Nikki. No, Nikki needed I, to just I, put I that just out there I just needed to put herself. that in the world. Yeah. So do you, finish, yeah. do you finish a room before moving to the next room, or do you do a task? So, for example, 
do you vacuum the entire upstairs? That's a good question. Or do you do one room and then and vacuum? And, and I would think the other room? I would think it would be a, a top down like in the room too. Like you finish with the floors. Like you do countertops and then move to floors and then is yep. that is that the process? Yeah, okay. yeah, always start with the countertop, highest down because then whatever exactly crap comes off. No, I'm on. Right, I, I got I got what you're doing. <laughs> Joe, I think I think you've got. I a think real you knack understand. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, usually what I will do is go through the house, clean every room, and then vacuum. Um, the one, really the only benefit of Nikki being out of the house since I'm unable to see her face is um, she's a high trafficker. So she goes up and down the stairs all the time, and she tracks dog hair all over the place because Piper, our dog, is always in her office hanging out. That's true. Um, so, yeah, it will be clean the rooms and then vacuum again kind of top down and go from there i, I want to know it, it, it's really exciting i want to know greatest strengths and greatest weakness in in your cleaning game like what what could you get better at and what are you like i'm i'm the best at doing this i could answer this. um you know what? i'm gonna let nikki answer the strength because i might just completely miss the mark in her eyes so your greatest nikki, strength I'll kick is, that over to you your greatest strength is vacuuming and your greatest okay. weakness is our shower in our bathroom. She, she just gave you a look, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I feel um, like vacuuming's a low, like that you're not getting Riven Robert enough credit if vacuuming's his biggest. He's always vacuuming, though. Yeah, but he's got to be really good at like getting. But a five-year-old can vacuum. Yeah, th- exactly. That's a. Oh, shit. Well, I hate vacuuming. I never vacuum. Robert, what's your greatest strength? You know what? Time out. I- I'm going to give a great story. Nikki does do a lot around the house. Yes. Uh, but we also break down social norms of gender roles here. Um. But there was one day early on in our marriage where I asked her, hey, I'm going to be gone. Would you please vacuum? And I came back (laughs) and where (laughs) the hose fits into the nozzle to create a really tight suction. I'll just leave it there. (laughs) She had, um, you know how you can put an attachment for kind of uh, the like really small cracks in yeah. there. Yeah, like you take she the hose out. She had that inside to... the hose, and she just thought, oh, well, since it all kind of just sucks in, I figured I could just leave it leave it off, and it would just kind of collect in there. So that's when I knew Nikki's So I was vacuuming. Were... I had taken the hose part off to do that, and then I had left it off and then continued, like, vacuuming the floors. But that doesn't actually do any suction when you have the hose not connected uh-huh. to it. So I just didn't vacuum. Yeah. She was, she was sucking was. it up and then spraying it out. And it was just a mess. <laughs> but, um, so we've already had I one, we've already had one Hall of Famer on this episode. We apparently have a Hall of Famer, a vacuumer. Yeah. I, I, really, I, I like to think of myself as the Sal of cleaning. Oh, wow, Robert. And why is that? That's a follow-up that I wasn't prepared to I know, I know he likes to think of himself as that, but he's never thought of that until that exact moment. Robert. Yeah. I think the one uh, the one last thing I'd have is um do you have some some quick tips that you can offer the listeners as to how they can improve, you know, what they're doing? Because it sounds like you've got this down and I, I you know, I think I always think I could be better. My house is you know, clean, but like Catherine's amazing. Catherine should be a maid. She should be cleaning yeah. houses for a living. Wow. Um, I just can't do what she does. I feel like her and Robert could have some sort of like really successful business. I'm I'm missing that mark, but I'd like to get there. So right, yeah, Robert, give us tips. some tips. Um, it sounds like the biggest oh, tip is to, is to One, be married to a messy person. Move. There's a lot to clean up. Don't clean, don't clean in clothes that you don't want ruined. 
some mm-hmm. of the chemicals might spill or spray and you might stain your clothes and you ruin them. Yep. Um, I would say, I, I think Matt was alluding to it, of just take care of your stuff as, as you use it um, so there's less to do. Um, and then um, I guess go at your own pace. None of this is helping me clean doing my it house now better. Hasn't worked, so go at your own pace. You got to work on your tips, man. <laughs> yeah, we need better tips, Robert. I, you know what the problem? I wanted is? like his secret like cleaning the concoction. Problem is that, he that it just it comes so naturally to him that he doesn't even have to think about it. He just does. It's it. like how the great. No, it's like no, the, how I, the greatest I, I athletes mean, make the worst coaches. In terms of concoction, I just go with whatever has the most bleach in it, um, and just roll from there. Forget about the chemical burns or the ingesting of the chemical. Um, bleach just kills all. I did almost pass out during the pandemic because there was a time when our, our, <laughs> our cleaning lady was, was not, could not come to the house. And so our shower got to the point like, okay, I, I got to clean the shower. Yeah. We have an enclosed shower. And so I, was in the, I had the door open, but I was in there with this bleach. I, don't, I didn't know what to do with it. This bleachy stuff. And after about 45 seconds of yeah, scrubbing, I, oh, yeah. I was like dizzy and I yeah. had to like hold on to something because I was going to go down. But... It, it becomes like a chemical, kind of like a mini chemical bomb, especially in the shower. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, you know, <laughs> Robert. It sounds like you should come up with the tips and just put my name on it. I'll just put my own name on it. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> People would be more excited to hear from you than me. So, well, I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy Thursday, a cleaning day. Yeah, thanks for explaining. <laughs> yeah, I can't works. wait for my boss to hear this and say, "Hi, huh, spent two hours cleaning his house on a Thursday. That's great." Yeah, you go clean the office. That's a yeah. side gig. Anyway, well, Robert. So, no, I, thanks. Uh, thanks everybody at the Cold Oatmeal and, and Nikki. Um, yes, Robert. I, I put all of your stuff away. Oh, thank you. You can tell all your lobbyist friends that you're on here now. Mm-hmm. Notch, tell Adrian. Notch on the belt. Well, I'll probably pull a Jim Kirsch and listen to this first, um, <laughs> and then and then just <laughs> either let it ride or brag about it. Well, Robert O'Meara, cleaning expert, has joined us. A cleaning Hall of Famer follows up Ka- yeah. Kathy Wilbur, actual Hall of Famer. Thanks to both. This has been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>